I am Tova Cito. I believe our lives should be happy, healthy, and abundant. And I believe it's our job to get us there. Every week, I will have inspiring, educational, and fun conversations that will help you live your very best life. Welcome to The Remedy. Well, welcome everyone to another week of The Remedy with Tovacito. We are so excited that you have decided to join us today wherever you are, whether it's a walk or in the car or on a road trip or just with your earbuds doing laundry. We're so glad you're here. Um, Hey, I would really like to thank the sponsor of today's uh, episode, a dear friend of mine named Chris Harry who lives in Argyle, he sponsored today's show. And uh, he made it such a generous, and he's such a big fan. And isn't he going to start? Didn't he talk to you about maybe starting a podcast? He did, absolutely. That's why I recognized the name as soon as you said it. I'm like, yeah. hey, Chris Harry. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's how I know him is from you. But <laughs> I'm like, wait, you know him too? Like, well, he's kind of a podcast junkie. He loves podcasts. Yes. Um, but he's a big fan of what we're doing. And I think he's going to start one on like, UT football or something? Yes, we have a lot of uh, good ideas in the works. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be really cool. Good. Yeah, definitely good. keep. Uh, I think he was looking at around April launch date. So we have a oh. lot of time to get everything, you know, Not set a up. Lot. It's almost this weekend's March. Oh my God, you're right. I didn't even think about that. March. Yeah. And you know what March means? School's out. Oh, I thought you know what didn't. school's out means? Summer. To me, March means anniversary. So. And then summer means Christmas, and that's how it goes. <laughs> it just, yeah, it just goes on and on and on. Um, well, thank you, Chris Harry. Okay, we yes, thank you, sweet Chris Harry. We so appreciate you. He's a dear friend of mine. Um, and Kev, I missed you. We missed a week. I know. You know, I get really depressed when you do that. Well, don't get depressed about it. <laughs> I hate that when there's not a show. I'm just like, I know. oh, this isn't right. I knew I was going to get the Sunday night text with the frowny like, face wait, we don't have what? a show yeah. for tomorrow <laughs> but sometimes you'll get the text like we don't have a show for tomorrow You're like, yeah we do yes and i'm like oh yeah sorry i forgot uh, well you have a lot to keep i always have to text just to make sure that there's not one that i'm missing <laughs> you have a lot to manage yeah um okay so today in the studio i'm super excited we have a dear friend of mine named matt tuggle who i affectionately call tuggle that's right. Tuggle, Tuggles. <laughs> I have a lot. I think I've had lots of nicknames for you over the years. You have. My last name is pretty easy to play with, you know? Tugs, M Tug. Yeah, yeah, Tugs. I think Tugs, Tugs was the main one. That yeah, was back the in main the day. one. You're right. Yep. So you reminded me today, I did not know that it had been that long, but it makes sense. We met, we met, you interviewed. Yep. Uh, would it be. F- 14 or 15 years this fall? Well, it'll be the spring of oh, spring. 2006 is when I came down here and interviewed. Spring so, of 14 years, yeah. So 14 years ago. Yeah, right, right about now. right about this time, 14 years ago. Yep. And you were how old? Oh, gosh. Probably 25, I guess. 24, 25, somewhere in there. Wait, you're almost 40? Yes. I know. I know. I'm 38. Amy, my bride, she won't like this, but uh, she just turned 40. Amy just turned 40. Y'all Can you believe look it? look so young. I know. She definitely, she does not look it. Wait, I had you like 22. Nope. You were 25. Yep, yep. Man, y'all look young. I know. You look like a baby. Still? Yes. 
I'll, gr- I'll grow out of it one day. <laughs> look at that mug. One day. I know what you mean. You, one day. You really look so young. You still look like you're in. Doesn't he look like he's in his 20s? I thought he was about my age. How old like are you? 34. 34? Yeah, see, I'm a little, just a little older. I've even got the scruff today. I mean. I certainly have thought 40. <laughs> I mean. Well, I'm not Your wife 40. is 40. Yes. Right. And when you preach on Sundays, you look real young. Thank you, Toba. <laughs> I won't be thinking about that on Sunday at 930. The baby face thing is good to have, man. It will be one day. I don't know when, <laughs> when, when it comes back, but yeah. Thank you, Toba. I won't be thinking. Uh, that's right. Yeah. I know. I'm sure you've had to like think about how to look older. Yeah. Well, the worst was when it was when we knew each other and I interned at Children's Med for a while. And, you know, I'm 25, 26. I'm supposed to be caring for these families. And they think like I'm, you know, a patient. I mean, at the children's <laughs> hospital, you know, and I'm like, I'm here to care for you. You know, They're like, yeah, that was the worst. That was the worst. At least it looks like you can grow facial hair, though, to look older. Like, yeah, I, I can't do that. Well, so. I got a little patchier, though. It annoys me. So. so we met at Highland Park Methodist. We did. Um, at the time, I was the youth director and you were coming in for an interview. Yep. To intern while right. you were going to seminary, and you got the job. I did get the job. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. And you worked for two years. Uh, about a year and a half. Okay. Yeah, quit a little early, so <laughs> not because of anything to do with the job. I just need just some tell time. me the truth now. That's right. Tell yeah. Me the truth Fourteen now. years later, Toba. <laughs> yeah. No, no. No. It was great, and Amy really volunteered, and y'all got to know each other well, Amy. Amy's your wife. Amy's my wife. Yeah, she's great. And um, she is so phenomenal. She's the best. She really is the the kindest, most beautiful, methodical, intentional, present. Yes. Like one of the most of all those words that I know. Absolutely. She's she's phenomenal. She's that way with our family, too. Consistent. Yeah, she's great. How long have you guys been married? We got married in the summer of 2007, so 12 and a half years. Oh, okay. Cool. And a bunch of youth came to the to the wedding. Oh, we took a white van. It was awesome. <laughs> we took a white church van to, it was awesome. to wake up. Was it wake up? It was in wake up. Yeah. Yep. God, that wedding. That's a fun we, road trip. We danced. Yeah. Oh, we had so much fun. Yep. The reception was on Baylor's campus. It was a ton of fun. It was it awesome. It really was. Yeah. We had, a, yeah, a bunch of youth came. I know. It was great. <laughs> August 11th. Uh, yeah. How did you know that? Yeah, August 11th. Okay, because I remember where That's impressive. You remember an anniversary from 12 and a half years That's ago? That's unbelievable. That is. You know I have a photographic memory, so I see things. Wow. Well, I hope so. <laughs> if not, like, you know way too much about Amy and I. So I hope you know other people's anniversaries, too. Well, you know, I mean, you worked with me. Yeah. We were together a lot. I know, I'm giving you a time. Right. Right. I see it on the calendar. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, thank, thank you for that. I've never gotten a card. I'm glad you... <laughs> Think about it, but don't send a text. I actually <laughs> have never thought of you on August 11th. I just right. had a flashback. Well, there it is. Remember August 11th, 2007. That's a long time ago. It's hard to believe. Yeah, you've been married 13 years. Yep, yep. That's 13 a, this summer. That's awesome. Yep. And okay. I remember, yeah, I, I walked into that office that day wearing flip flops for my interview, and I thought, <laughs> I got on the elevator, looked at my toes, and thought, this was probably a bad idea. <laughs> and then I met you, and I was like, oh, this will be fine. Like, yeah, and then you met Phil. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> with yeah, the Phil, dreads. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> This will be fine. And you thought, uh, yeah. I'll fit right in. Yeah, this will be okay. So yep. you worked, we worked together and you were phenomenal. I mean, you were, you have always been, you were born to be a minister. You were oh, born to be a pastor. And uh, so you, you worked there for a year and a half, you finished school. Yep. And then you moved away. Yep. 
And w- tell us yeah. where you went. What did we you do? Amy and I went to Georgia for three years. I was an associate pastor there in Gwinnett County, and Amy worked at a children's hospital there. And we thought we'd be in Georgia for a long time, mm-hmm. but then Boyd was born. And when he was born, he's our oldest, he's eight now. When he was born, my parents had moved here independent of us. Amy's family was in Waco. And at the first time I put my mother-in-law on an airplane and watched her say goodbye to Amy and Boyd, I thought, I should probably figure out how to get us back to Texas, Aww. you know? And I, told, I don't know if you know this, you do. I mean, I told you this a long time ago, but we were trying to figure out, coming back to Texas, I wasn't really sure what to do. And I'm not even kidding, in the middle of the night, I just had this thought that I needed to email you. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do it in the middle of the night, but I, I couldn't go to sleep until I made the commitment that I would email you. And I did the next day about just asking if you thought there'd be any way that I could come back to HPUMC. And about you responded, but then two weeks later you called me, and that's what got the the ball rolling with me coming back to the church. I know. Yeah. I love that story. Yes, it was really it was really amazing, and and you went above and beyond to help make that happen. Wow, so I'm really grateful for that. I've always believed in you. I've always believed in in and you know you know what I just love and admire so much about you, Matt, is you live. You are so obedient. You are obedient, and you have never ever ever done anything for any. I'm sure you have. Yeah, I have yeah, I don't never, know what you're about to say, but probably I, I probably have, have never seen you. Yeah. I have never witnessed you do anything except what God wanted you to do. Yeah. You are you listen to the Holy Spirit, you live by the Holy Spirit, and you are are obedient in every sense of the word. And I've always seen you. I mean, you have challenged me. And uh and I've I've always appreciated the times that you have challenged me to to, okay, is that what God wants us to do? Is that, have we prayed about this? And I mean, it's it's just the good stuff. You are you are the real deal, and not that not that other people aren't right. But yeah. like, I'm I'm not saying anything negative about anybody else. But I I mean, I would hire you ten times over again. And uh, when when we were after you emailed me, and we were hiring because right. I was moving into Cornerstone, in Cornerstone. and yep. things were just changing. Stephen was coming into Cornerstone. There yep. was a big hole in family ministry. And I told Paul, I said, I know who we need to hire. And he was like, Tova, we're not going to hire someone from out of state. Yeah. That's so expensive. Like, we don't need, like, no, let's just put it. You know, I was like, I just really feel strongly about Matt Tuggle. And I mean, oh, thanks, Tova. now you're like running the church. Well, I, it is certainly mutual <laughs> admiration. I mean, and. You know, you've been somebody that's inspired me, you know, personally, working together and you being my boss. And then, you know, now more from a distance, when we see each other, you inspire me in person, but um, you're just somebody that I've always really, really admired. Well, so. thank you. And I mean, thank like you, you, I think, yeah, no, I'm not always faithful what I try to be because I've, I lived a good portion of my life where I wasn't. And it's better on this side. Yeah. It's better on this side. Will you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Like, I know that you you didn't always have the faith no, that you no, have. No. And so what what changed? Like, you know, I grew up in the church, but my faith wasn't a meaningful part of my life in in any significant way. And was your family real involved? They in, were. Okay. They were. My parents are great. I grew up in a in a church in Virginia. All of that. My parents are awesome. Um, but it just wasn't it wasn't a personal faith for me at all. And then I was in college at Hampton Sydney College in uh, Virginia. 
And the summer before my senior year of college, I won't go into all the details, but a few things happened that really led me to start asking the question, okay, if I believe in an all-powerful God, why does my life not reflect that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so so I believe this with my mind, but it, it doesn't actually play out in my life in any way. So I made the commitment to get down on my knees every day until I went back to, to school just to see what God would do with that. And I was also reading the scripture for the first time because of some other reasons. And God just changed my life. I mean, he just, it wasn't, uh, here are all the things you need to stop doing and here are all the things you need to start. It wasn't that at all. I just began to desire different stuff. And, mm. you know, the summer before your senior year of college is the most inconvenient time possible for that to happen. You know, absolutely. I, mean, I was not <laughs> looking for this to happen. Um, but he just, I mean, the way that I said often, he, I mean, he just wrecked my life in a really beautiful way and turned things upside down. And so people always ask about your call to ministry and all that. And my call is not necessarily to be a pastor. My call is to live as a committed Christian. Mm. And that's what I realized that summer is that I don't care what I do for a living. My my calling is to to, to live out my faith in a meaningful way, to try to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus. And at that just time, happened to lead me into what, church. At the time, what were you studying? Or was, what did you think you were going to do? I, I had no idea what I was going to do. I talked to all these SMU students. They've got it all figured out. I'm like, buddy, look, when I was a junior, I had no idea. <laughs> I was studying biology. I was double majoring in biology. And then also in religion, because I went to a liberal arts school and I liked the religion classes. Mm-hmm. But again, it wasn't a real part of my life. I remember my sophomore year, telling a friend that I was going to major in religion. And he looked at me and he laughed and he said, would you be a pastor one day? I mean, it was like, <laughs> like nobody could imagine. Like, it was way off anybody's radar. Um, so I, I, I don't know what I was going to do. Um, but maybe something in the science field, again, I was studying biology. So. And then what made you change course and decide to go to seminary? Yeah, I spent three years in Richmond after I graduated really trying to figure all that out. And I worked in special education and I volunteered in churches. And just slowly, I began to want to do more church work and people were pulling me to do more. And I kind of went kicking and screaming because for those first two two or three years when I was taking my faith seriously, my primary means of ministry was that I was just a normal guy who took his faith seriously. Mm. So people would come and talk to me about stuff. And and Mm. I kind of liked that. I like the way you say that. Yeah, yeah. So I really thought that that was... I hope to people describe me like that. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? But but when you worked in the church, people expect you to be different. Churchy. Of, of course. Churchy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I liked being able to tell the guy on the airplane next to me that I worked in special education. And then when he asked me questions about why I'd be reading the Bible on the plane, like, mm-hmm. now now I have to tell him I'm a pastor. And it, yeah. it, it's just a different conversation. But eventually yeah. I really began to feel like, okay, the gifts that God seems to have given me line up well with working in the local church. We'll do that. So mm-hmm. I started looking at seminaries, a couple on the East Coast, and then this one right here. And I already knew this young lady named Amy, and she lived in Uptown. And her apartment was three miles from this seminary. So I thought, I, I think I'm called to come to this to, to this <laughs> seminary. And, uh, and Amy and I got, you know, we dated in, in person. We dated long distance for a while. And yeah, got married that first summer. So that, it's really important to me that I always remain rooted in that, that my call is not so much to be a pastor. It's my call is just like every other disciple of Jesus. My call is to live as a committed Christian, to put him first. And it happens to play out for me in the local church. But I think that it, it 
could play out for anybody in any setting. Yeah, I totally agree. But for me, it just happens to be the local church. I totally agree. Now, when I was trying to get ordained in the Methodist Mm -hmm. church, I couldn't say that. Right. But now that I'm ordained, I can say that. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, one of my best friends, she works at uh, The Gem. Have you ever heard of The Juice Bar, The Gem? No, I haven't. Okay. So I I don't, you probably frequent more juice bars than I do. (laughs) And if there was video, there'd be evidence of that. So I meant to say something. Tell the gem girls that I'm drinking at a cafe this morning. There you go. She would be so, (laughs) Leslie especially. The gem has the best coffee ever. Do they really? Yes. Leslie would put that in the trash. (laughs) She would. Um, Anyway, uh, I was there one time and I was just watching Mary Catherine uh, just interact with everybody who came in and good morning and, you know, uh, and I'm like observing her and I'm like, this is your ministry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she goes, what? And I was like, this is a ministry for you. And like, do you see what you do to people here? Do you see how you make people feel? Do you like this? Is, and she was like, oh, I've never thought of it like That's that. That's really awesome. And but I, I totally agree with you that we're all called. That's right. To be if we profess to be followers of Jesus Christ, disciples of Jesus Christ, like it should reflect itself in no matter what. You don't have to be a minister. Absolutely. You don't have to be, get and go through the ordination process or, That's right. or become ordained. That's right. To have authority or to, to show people the face, hands, feet of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. every day. I mean, I think, especially today in our culture, the front line of of evangelism really it's it's the it's the business community yeah i mean that that's where it is people see somebody in whatever field it is and say that person does things a little bit differently yeah what's different about them yeah and then they find out that it's because of their relationship with the lord yes that's the front line yeah it is it's you're you're so right that's more no offense it's more powerful if if the, a businessman gets on a plane and reads his Bible, absolutely, it's more powerful than you, an ordained minister. Get, of course, you're reading your Bible. That's right. You're ordained. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's and right. so, put my AirPods on and moving on. But, right. But you're CEO of a company that now you have my attention. That's right. Where where'd that come from? Yep. Yep. It's great. Yeah. You know, I um I also love Matt. I. Uh, Years ago, when I was teaching a Bible study, um, we were talking about like how um, something you said brought this up, and so I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. Um, how like when you fall in love with Jesus, like when you fell in love with Amy, mm-hmm. she didn't come with a handbook, right? That's right. Like, but you knew what to do because you paid attention, and mm-hmm. she meant something to you, and you 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 observed and you got to know her and you asked questions and and so you began to love her well that's right like you began to love her the way that she wanted to be loved because you loved her but you just did it by spending time with her mm-hmm. and when we fall in love with Jesus it it's not about i loved what you said it's not about now all of a sudden i can't do this and now i have to do that that's right like you have now fallen in love with this, with with Jesus, and so it's easy. It's easy to be kind. It's easier to forgive. It's easier to live that out um, because of how you feel about Him. So yeah. it's it's. I mean, we have a manual. You know, the Bible tells us a lot and gives us a lot of information. But 
But it's when you gain that personal relationship with Jesus, everything about your life really changes. Yeah, that's right. And and, and people want to know what that is. I love that you talked about that in your Bible study. And kind of, if I can kind of build on that for yeah. just a moment, I mean, please. I think people misunderstand Christians when we say things like, it's my faith that got me through that time or something like that. And what they think we're saying is, my faith inspired me so much, or I wouldn't have had the motivation. Or, no, 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 no. What we're actually saying is, I literally would not have been able to put one foot in front of the other were it not for God doing something in my life. Yeah. It's not just a motivation. It's not just an inspiration. Yeah. He, he, can, actually cha- he can actually change you. Yeah. Like we think about the fruit of the Spirit. You know, Paul talked about these nine things that, that, that happen. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I used to think those were a checklist. So if I want to be a good mm-hmm. Christian, I do those nine things. Yeah. That's the exact opposite of what he seems to be saying. He seems to be saying, no, 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 that's like a, a litmus test. Like if the Lord is working in your life, if you're submitting to like his, his will and all those things, those nine things are naturally going to come pouring yes. out of you. Yes. You know? Yes. And I think we miss that. People think that this Jesus yes. thing is all about like, Get out there and be a good person and do better. No, 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 no. It's about coming before him saying, I'm not like a great person. I got all kinds of junk in my life. Mm-hmm. And I I need you to rework me and rewire mm-hmm. me. And, mm-hmm. so and he, he will. And he does it. Yeah. Right. And then you come he out does. on the other side and you know, you're not prideful about it. You're like you you boast in him. Like yeah. this is amazing what he's done. Yeah. And then you get far enough down the road and then you do get prideful and then you get <laughs> self-righteous and then you get kicked off the horse again. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. You know? But yes. yeah, yeah. And then that's a different level of kind of like brokenness that the Lord's got to work on in your life. But yeah. he's always working on us. Yes. He yeah. is all we are all yeah. a work in progress. Yeah, there right. is no there. Right. There yeah. is no there. Yeah, that's right. Regardless of That's a great of, way to put it. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. yeah. So I um I listened to a uh a sermon of yours. It was a Sunday morning and I dropped my kids off at the youth ministry. Okay. And oftentimes if I don't, if I don't, I, ever since, and I tell people this, ever since I got divorced, it's been really difficult for me to go to church. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah. it's something. Yeah. It's like one of those things. I've heard that from other people too. Have you? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Um, and so, but I still love church, you know, and I still get community and you know, all of it. But I, but so anyway, I dropped my kids off, just total transparency. Right. And I often go to the Katie Trail. Okay. Put on my AirPods and listen. Okay, and stream it live. Yeah, and stream it live. Yep. And that's my church. Yep. And um, and so Sunday morning, and I flip-flop. You know, sometimes I listen to you, sometimes I listen to Paul. So just to give people context for people who don't know who you are, you're— Right. Yeah, we didn't do that. Yeah, sorry. What is your role now? I'm our executive minister at the church. Um. So that means that I work on a lot of stuff behind the scenes, leading a big portion of our staff, all of those things, really working with our senior pastor, Paul, to implement vision, things like that. That's the, that's the non-exciting uh, part. Um, but I, 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 but I, you're I, really good at it. Thank you, Tova. And I really, I, really, I really do love that part. Yeah. The more outward-facing portion is that I preach in two of our services on Sunday morning. Paul, our senior pastor, preaches our traditional services first, and then he comes to our contemporary, and I followed the opposite pattern. Yeah, you so flip-flop. I, yeah, preaching Cornerstone at 9.30, and then the sanctuary at 11 o'clock. Okay. So I turned on Cornerstone, okay. 9.30, this particular Sunday. It was two Sundays ago. Yep. And um, I was like, oh, yeah, toggle. 
And um, so you start down this sermon, and I'm looking forward to whatever it is you have to say. But I'm telling you, Matt, it was, it was one of the most convicting, one of the most, um, like, challenging, uh, wonderful, truth-telling, amazing sermon. I hate using the word amazing because the, yeah. but. It was just exactly what I needed to hear, and I texted you after, and you I did. said, not only is it what I needed to hear, but we all need to hear. I mean, it was just a phenomenal message. And uh, what you spoke about, and or, or what spoke to me, I don't know, it would be interesting to see what what your goal was. <laughs> right, that is not what I said, was saying at all. Right, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. But what I heard, and yeah. what was convicting to me, was putting faith first in yeah. the family. Yeah, that's right. And wow. Um. Somebody's angry. <laughs> that person who honked was out of line. That guy had to ride away. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah. If you drive a blue Taurus and you drove... I'm just right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so what was so convicting to me is, you know, when my kids were little, I was working at the church yeah. and... I mean, we we read the Bible. We read stories from the Bible. We read the Bible every night. We did devotional every morning. Prayed together every morning. Prayed together every night. What? And it wasn't just like ho hum prayer. It was like, yeah. What do you need prayers for? Yeah, like, good. Okay, you have soccer tryouts. Okay, you've got a test tomorrow. Like, okay, I'm gonna be. We're gonna pray for that right now, and then I'm gonna pray for you all day tomorrow. We were very, very, very intentional. Mm-hmm. That's the word. Yeah. Yes, about faith, and um, as they've as they've grown older, you know, they're staying up later. Right. They're getting up later. All their schedules are different. You know, Anna Prince got to be to school at seven. George sometimes has to be there at six. Carter too with training, and. The wheels just kind of came off mm. that. Now, where where I'm so grateful is we've always gone to church. Yeah. I mean, we've always gone to church. My kids love the youth ministry at Highland Park Methodist. It's a great it's a great spot. I'm it, glad they do. Oh, yeah. it's they, a great spot. They don't miss. Good. They don't miss Sunday mornings. They don't, and it doesn't matter how late they stay out. It doesn't matter what they've got going on. They will not miss Wednesday night church or Sunday morning. I love that. Oh, and I mean, Carter's in core group, so yep. he'll go to Costa Rica this summer, and Prince as well, but Carter's just all about, I mean, Carter loves his core group more than anything, and they, you know, come over and eat tacos, and I mean, I love those boys, and Carter loves, it. and his small group, like, they talk about the real, you know, the, yeah. it's meat, yeah. It, yeah, it's the good stuff, um, and George, I mean, George is obsessed with church and obsessed with mission trip i mean george george is so sad because this is will be his last year to do spring break because of baseball oh yeah yeah that's a great mission trip spring break oh yeah it's the best it is and i mean it's just so they are deeply rooted in their faith on their own Mm -hmm. they really are they love the lord you know anna Prynne does her devotional every morning and but as a family yeah, we still pray together every morning, every evening. We still, what can I pray for? Good. All, all that. But we've just lost that reading the Bible together, doing devotional every morning. And 
And the thing that convicted me about what you said was, you know, we make time, we make time for a lot of things. Yeah, we do. We make time. We, my kids have trainers and tutors. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and I mean, we're, we're investing. We're very intentional mm-hmm. and we're investing a lot in, you know, the athletes they want to be and the academics they want to make in their dance, you know, how good they want to be at dance and theater. I mean, Anna Prynne just got into this production in Austin. We're going to be going to oh, Austin. And I mean, we will move heaven and right. earth right, for our kids to excel mm-hmm. and succeed. We set them up for success, right? Yep. As, as people in this world. Um, and yet, what are we doing what are we doing as parents? At what fraction of faith right. are we, you know, how much effort are we putting into their faith walk, right. their faith life? Um, and if we just put a portion, 5% right. of what I'm investing in w- with all these other things, if I put 5% of that, all that effort into their faith, what would that look like? Yeah, that's right. And how much joy does it then bring to your family oh. and set them up for success? Yes. And we can kind of get into that in a second. I mean, yeah, all, all of those things. That's all, right. right. Which is infinitely more important to That's their right. success as people who are, you know, part of this world right. than any trainer, than any tutor, than any dance lesson, than right. any private. I mean, it's more important. And I was walking on Katie Trail just thinking, man, like, not only do I fail at this sometimes, but we got it all wrong. Mm-hmm. And I will just call us all out as a people. I mean, all my friends, I mean, I love my friends and right. I, I love our community and all that stuff. But like, we've, we don't, we're not getting it right. We're not getting it right, and and you didn't say that. I'll say that. Well, but I, I can say <laughs> I, I can say that for our family, meaning not that we're not getting it right, but that we have to be really intentional yes. about putting putting this first. Yes. And again, I'm, I mean, Amy's un- unbelievable. She's the best. Um, but she and I both have to be super intentional about this. Yeah, yeah. and and just to, for context, tell everybody the ages of your children. Yeah, so we have Boyd, who's eight. He's our oldest. And then Charlie, who's about to turn five. He's also a boy. And then uh, Mary Frances turns three next month. Our sweet little girl, sweet Mary Frances. Yeah. The best name. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So cute. Everybody keeps saying that I'm wrapped around her little finger. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But th- this this is reciprocal. She is wrapped around my little <laughs> finger, too. I mean, that's really I got her all. Yeah. You do look extremely young for being 38 and having three kids. Right? I mean, yeah. That's well, you're, impressive, dude. We're, we're back to this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, here we go. Yeah, so those are those are our kids. And, you know, the stuff, I am not an expert in parenting by any means, but I'm trying to do this. And, like you, Toba, spent a long time working with teenagers. Yeah. And you know, your kids are an example of this, T. The, when the church and the home partner together, mm-hmm. unbelievable stuff stuff can happen. Yeah. You know, it's such a temptation to to outsource our kids' spiritual development the way that we outsource their athletic development yeah. or their education or anything like that. And yeah, you, yeah, you can probably get away with that, but you're not going to end up... The, 
the likelihood that your kids are going to end up where you want them to spiritually decreases if you're not discipling them. I know that's a big, heavy word, and uh, if, you're, if you're not leading them at home yeah. and partnered yeah. with a church, that, yeah. that's when the magic happens. Yeah, it's yeah. so true. And you see it with your kids. This whole youth group thing blows my mind, though, because right. I, I hated that stuff. when I, I was raised really? Catholic, and I hated having oh, to do all it's that a stuff. Different, it's a different game. It is. it is it's a like, different game. It, that was a time in my life that kind of made me want to steer away from church life stuff, you know what I mean? But I think that's pretty amazing that nowadays that's the time that it's like really bringing them closer and they're like, they love it and they look forward to it. I wish I had something like that when right. I was growing up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, it's so true, Matt, that it's a, it's a partnership. That's right. That that's it, that's it's, right. It's not outsourcing. But I mean, when we were in youth ministry, we saw that, you know, oh, we saw, yeah. we saw parents and, 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 the good parents, great, know, great, great parents, yes, well great intentioned, parents. Yes. all of that. Right. But you know what I have, I've learned from doing premarital counseling. Oh yeah, and I'm sure you have too. And all the the people that you've met with is for f- that faith, and I don't get it. It can be awkward. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I ask couples, "Are y'all praying together?" They're like, look at each other, like. Shit! How do we? How do I we know, do that? I know. I know. <laughs> I'm like y'all are. They're y'all, like we're intimidated by it, and it really, when you like, you read through it, like it's super intimate, and you're like, well, let's talk about what else y'all are doing. You know, <laughs> like, but, well, we we can't exactly. pray. We can't pray together at night. You know, that's yeah, where you draw yeah. the line of comfort, <laughs> right. comfort level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I don't want to like make light of it because it really is. Yes. It, it, it is tough to break through that barrier. It is. But it is because it's intimate. Yes. And when we do intimate things yes. together, it, it draws it's us awkward. closer together. Yes. Right. It's, yeah, awkward it's awkward at first. That's right. But if you if you plow through that, yep. is something magical Absolutely. and beautiful. Because it is intimate. I have learned more things about what my children are going through, through praying for them, yeah. than probably anything else. I mean, wow. Carter's yeah. not going to wake up and tell me, I'm really worried about this. Mom. Yeah, yeah. But when we say our prayers in the morning, and I say, "What do you need prayers for, Carter?" and he's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about my buddy so and so." And I'm like, "What? Okay, we're gonna yeah. pray for him." And then on the way to school, I'm like, "What's going on with, what's right. going on with so and so?" You know. Right. So it does create intimacy, but it's. I mean, the word intimacy is into me you see, and a lot yeah. of people just don't want to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so not only is, I mean, if it's awkward between mom and dad, how, how could it ever get down <laughs> to the kids, right. right? I mean, that's the foundation for it all. Yes. That's right. And you said in your sermon, and I just, ooh, I just was like, preach it, um, that the greatest gift that we can give our children is to show them faith. Yeah, that's right. To show them our faith, to live by example, to bring it into the family, to start the conversation. And, and and you know what I think, Matt? I know there's a lot of people sitting here listening to this who have a 16-year-old or a 17-year-old or a 22-year-old and think, man, I've never done that, right? and it's too late. Mm-hmm. And you know what I say to you? It's never it's too not. late. Yeah, I don't right. care if you're, you're 60 and your son is 27. You can still have those intimate Absolutely. conversations that are life-changing and relationship-changing. Right. Relationship-changing. Yeah, no, no, there, there is no, there's, there's no age at which it is too late to, to start this. Yeah, I mean, no. and, and I'll tell you, when I think about why this matters, you know, we may have to kind of 
convince, not, not convince people, but um, we're not just talking about eternal ramifications here. Like it's easy to, to begin to, to think that, but yeah, I didn't even think like I, that. I know, but like, that's let's, not- let's think about the 13th grade for a second. I mean, think about the 13th grade. So that first year after high school, when they're in college or they're in the military and they're in the workforce, think about the first night of the 13th grade. Okay. They're going to be wherever they are and they're going to be making decisions that night mm-hmm. and their GPA will impact what college town they're in. Mm-hmm. But their GPA is probably not going to make a huge impact on the decisions they make that night. Yeah. What's going to make an impact on the decisions they make is their their faith. Or think so good. Think about the. Uh, you didn't say that in your sermon. I That's didn't. really yeah. good. And, and think about. I mean, taking it like past the thirteenth grade. Think about that first business trip. Yeah. That they go on. Yeah. After the big argument, and yeah. they're not feeling connected, and yeah, like whether they won state or not, will give them stories to tell the hotel bar Mm -hmm. after the meeting, but how long they stay at the bar and what they do after the bar, their sports career isn't going to help them with those decisions, but their, but their faith is so good. So, you know, we're not, we're not talking about like some like hype, we're talking about real life stuff here. And, and that, and that's what leads me to really believe. I mean, that the number one thing that we can do for our kids is help them make their faith the number one thing in their lives. And for me, at least, it's easy to think that, and I never want to be adding burdens to people. I mean, Jesus says the yoke is easy, like the, the, the burden is light. Mm-hmm. For me, that actually lightens my burden. Because what it says to me is, I have so many things that that I feel like I need to do for my kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm coaching boys basketball team right now. And like, <laughs> I'm a terrible coach. But like, <laughs> we have our last game tomorrow. And, I mean, I say it's our last, it's our first game of the playoffs. Um <laughs> So it's not taking, but it's definitely gonna be our last game. <laughs> definitely gonna be our last game. So like, like we care about like the the baseball and like and and the socialization and all this. So you, you feel this huge weight of I've got to do all these things for my kids. And it seems like in the passage that I was preaching out of with Paul, you know, one of the earliest Christian pastors, is he doesn't give them advice on all that stuff. He says, but but raise them up in their knowledge and understanding of the Lord. And what I read when I see that is, oh, okay. This doesn't feel like more of a burden. What it feels like to me is, okay, if I get that right, mm-hmm. everything else is going to be everything yes. else is going to be okay. Yes. I mean, who, who cares again? Yes. The, the bar, like, if they want to stay, like, it doesn't really, it doesn't actually matter. Right. If I if I get this right, yes, the other stuff's going to take care of itself. Yes. And like you said earlier about the five percent or whatever. Yeah, I mean, five percent, two percent, it doesn't even matter. Like what percent it is is much. Like if this comes first, yeah, everything else is going to be. Is going to be okay. Yeah. Because if if the if the deal in Austin for AP is a disaster, um, how she navigates that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, if the hope for AP is that it goes well because she's super talented, or the hope for Carter is that sports go well because of what whatever, well that that hope is always going to be fading. Mm-hmm. The hope is that mm-hmm. whether it goes well or whether it doesn't, they're going to be okay because they're rooted in something so much, so much bigger than that. Yes. Yeah, the, the, the hope financially is not that I'll be able to work hard and hustle and make enough money. Like the hope is knowing, even if that doesn't happen, I'm going to be I'm going to be okay. That's what yes. I want. That's what Amy and I want our kids rooted in. Yes. And that, ultimately, that's what all of us want. It's so true. But that's got to come. That's got to come first. Mm-hmm. You know. So I'm. So, um, I picture. I mean, I hear. I hear you, mm-hmm. and I'm. Thousands of people will hear that. And they'll believe that, and it'll they'll feel that. Right. I, I know they will. And but I think that 
people don't know how. Right. Yep. People don't know how. Nobody taught them. Yep. And so now they're they that that all sounds Yeah. True. Everybody wants to do that. Everybody, how do we actually do it? Yes. Right. And so especially, Matt, when you have I mean, you and I are in completely different stages mm -hmm. of life. I mean, I'm eight, nine years older than you. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, my kids are grown, they're busier not grown, but grown. Yeah. And yours are, so how do we do this as parents? Yeah. How do we do this? How do we make faith? What does that look like in our crazy, busy homes and different stages and places yeah. and yeah. schedules? How do we do this? That, that That's the question, right? Yeah. Um, because if we want our kids to get better at baseball or whatever, we know, we know how to do that. Yeah. The tutors, yep. the coaches, all yep. that stuff. Yeah, I think that I think that's the question. And when we started building our family ministry stuff a few years ago, we decided that's the demographic that we're going to hone in on. I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to convince people to raise their kids in the faith at home. Like, I, and there's a small group of people that are already doing this well. Mm -hmm. What we want to hone in on is, yeah, those people like me who want to do this, mm -hmm. but but are struggling to know how to. Mm -hmm. So we actually, you teed me up, and you realize it. I uh, I brought these cards here. Um, we have at the church what we call phase cards, mm -hmm. and all they are are um, the, these, these colorful cards that on the front have kind of a cute, pithy saying about each phase of a kid's development, and then on the back are three simple suggestions for what you do during this phase. Oh. Yeah. Isn't this I great? Even, I didn't even know you I know. brought this. Isn't this great? Good so, job, like, good he, job Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, he, here's the red one. This is where our two youngest kids are in nursery and preschool is, and you can... You don't have to be a member of our church. You can just swing by and steal the stuff and you know head out. I mean, these cards are great. And you know what? I bet you if you called the church, the church would mail them to you. Absolutely. Yes. We'll do that. We'll mail you a whole pack. So get, let's give the phone number, 214-523-2200. I'm glad you knew it. <laughs> it's I another thing it. I remember. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. What is it with this? Oh, so call the, if you want these, call the church yep. and ask them to mail them. Because yep. a lot we'll of people, to you. listen, don't live here. We would I'd love to do that. Um, so can I you just give yeah. an example? No, of one? I, I want. So um, I want. You, I, I don't even want an example. I would. If, I think it would be helpful if you just read these. Yeah, I will. I don't. And if, let, let me go through. Unless the, they're too burdensome. No, here, here's so here's the first one: nursery okay. and preschool. So the phases are nursery, preschool, elementary, confirmation, which is a special thing we have in sixth grade, middle school, high school, and college. Okay. So okay. nursery is the phase where a child grows from a speck into the most spectacular baby in the world into a spectacularly curious preschooler who just wants to know what do all of them want to know? Why? They all want to know why, right? <laughs> so at the end of each phase card, there's a question that kids are asking during that phase, okay? okay. Preschoolers want to know why. Mm -hmm. So here's what we say. Look, you can't do everything, so we're just going to suggest that you as parents do these three things with your preschoolers. One, pray the Lord's Prayer at night. Two, ask three to five adults to pray for your kids daily. Mm. And three, make regular church attendance a habit. So we're saying you like don't worry about everything else. Yeah. Just do those three things and you're going to be fine. And we saw this play out in our life. We started praying the Lord's prayer at night with our kids. And Boyd pretty soon said, "I'm tired of that prayer." Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so we so we started praying Psalm 23. Well, you know mm. what happens? This is oh, this is a few years ago when he's 5 or 6. The kid memorizes Psalm 23. It's awesome. We're not setting out to do that. Yeah. We just did these, mm -hmm. and then other stuff. Follow. Other stuff happens, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, so there's so there's there's that phase, um, and then yeah, let's go up to high school. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
For my benefit, please. Exactly. Please tell me exactly. what I need to do. Yeah. Ye- yellow. <laughs> uh, the phase where everything is graded, new freedoms come every year, mm-hmm. and with the 13th grade just around the corner, young men and young women begin to ask, who am I and why do I matter? Wow. Right? So They're true. asking that, right? Yeah. And then sure. the three things that we suggest that families do uh, together is, um, is rally around a common project. Mm. We suggest that uh, you find some kind of cause in our city or around the world that your hearts and your, 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 like your pocketbooks go after together. I love right? that. It's not just that mom and dad, mm-hmm. mom or dad are doing this, mm-hmm. but we're going to do this or together. Or it's Christmas time, so we're going to do this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Number two is to recruit three to five adults to help prepare for the 13th grade. Mm. So, yeah, because here's the deal. And we may get back to this with the whole like hero thing. That there are people in their lives that are helping them prepare for college or whatever. Yeah. And some of those people are not the people that you want. That's exactly right. So who are three to five people that you know will speak truth into their lives mm-hmm. and set up coffee with AP and whoever it is, yeah. right? And then the really last good. one is uh, to encourage uh, parents, encourage their high schoolers to lead others. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard somebody say one time that he was encouraging his 16-year-old to write a book. And he said, like a devotional, he said, do you know what kind of 16-year-old believes that she has what it takes to write a book? A 16-year-old that you look in the eye and say, you have what it takes to write a book. Wow. You know, isn't that great? I love that. Like, AP and Carter, like, in, in George, like, looking him in the eye and saying, mm. you have what it takes mm. to lead a small group for elementary schoolers or for middle schoolers yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And that's what I mean, that's the kind of stuff they're doing in core group that you talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we've got these. And again... Those are, those are so helpful. They are helpful. So phenomenal. Yeah. Because I, I think, I mean... I worked at a church for 10 years and and I'm looking at you saying, okay, we're going a thousand different directions. Like we're barely ever even all in this. I mean, if we have a night home together, right. That's just a miracle. So then you're going to feel all this weight of, I'm not doing what this other family's doing. I'm not doing this. Well, what we're saying is, look, if you, if you do those three things, just start there. I mean, and, and other stuff may follow, but you do those three things and, you're doing more than if you're not doing anything. Yeah. You know what middle schoolers want to know? They want to know who really likes me. Oh. I mean, they want to know like who's really in my corner. Mm-hmm. I know who follows me. I know who likes my pictures. Mm-hmm. They want to know like who's really, that's what they're trying to figure out, mm-hmm. who's really there for me. So during that season, we want them to know the church is really mm-hmm. here for you. And they need to know my parents are really, really here for me. Yeah. I so believe in that uh, that number two of of get other people. Yeah. I remember when um, when we were working in the youth ministry together. I read a book that said kids like the most successful kids have the average of seven adults who are not just like hey how you doing are invested in them. Yeah, and what I mean it could be an aunt. Yeah. Grandparent, mom, dad, coach, youth leader, godparents. I mean, and I took that so I, I read it and I I never forgot it. And really? it wasn't just like, hey, how you doing? It these are people no, who that's right. are invested in their really spiritual care. growth, yep. their their future, their the decisions they're making. And you know, my my kids have you know Cammy and Dale Williams. Yeah. So those that's yeah. my children's God's godparents. Oh, okay. And so they've I, got them and oh, other people. Yeah. Oh, and they've got their youth and they've got their aunts and uncle. They have aunt and, aunts and uncle. They have grandparents. 
they have more than seven, yeah. but who are truly invested in them. And, but like one time I asked Carter, I was driving with Carter and I said, Carter, of all the opinions that you, cause everybody has an opinion about, especially him cause he's phenomenal at sports and you know, he, and he's got coaches and I mean, he's yeah. got a lot of people really pouring into him. And I asked him, like, of all the people that you have pouring into you and investing in you, whose opinion matters the most? That's a great question. Yeah, I just wondered. And he said, I mean, without hesitating, he said, Uncle Dell and you. Wow. Wow. And it's his godfather. Yeah. And, you know, Dell, Dell jokes with him. Joe, Dell, Dell challenges him. Yeah. Dell, as yeah, when are you doing the SAT prep and when, like he's he's on him, yeah. you know. But at the end of the day, Carter knows that like Dell's going to ask and he wants to have a good answer. Yeah, for Dell, that's that's really powerful. Yes, and, and you, I'm, I'm assuming that this is true. You didn't sit back and wait for five to seven people no, to come can't. into your life. You you, you went out and and were intentional about making that happen. Yeah, right. You can't. You need to be meeting with the youth. Leaders, right? You need to be asking people like. So you want to talk about like where yes. we're all we're all talking about where to start. That's a great place to start, yeah. and churches will help you with that. Hopefully, you get good youth leaders and things like that. But it's also just friends of yours yeah. that you want speaking life yes. and truth into your to your kids. Yes. Yeah, we don't wait for it to happen. No. Right. No, because that's just not how life goes. Right. <laughs> you yeah, know? that's right. And again, the last thing I want anybody to feel like is that. This is more burden or more pressure. It's, it's really not. These things take burden off. They take pressure off when yeah. when you make these things first. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, it seems so obvious. This seems so obvious. And yet, as I was listening to your message, I felt really convicted. And this isn't a judgment. I'm not trying to be holier than thou, I'm right there with everyone. This is a this is a huge, like a huge opportunity. Absolutely. I believe if a, even just a small fraction of people in our community and yeah. <laughs> made this change, made small, small, small changes that not only would our homes change and our marriages change and our our relationships change and our friendships change our community would change our values would That's change right. our priorities would change you know everybody's talking if if my school Highland Park all of them you know my kids Hillcrest everybody's talking about the game Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> everybody's talking about the game you yeah. know everybody's talking about the meat everybody's talking about yep. and 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 where do you want to go to college and what oh what what number are they and are they top six percent and where, right. where are you going to go to college i mean what if we just i i'm just dying for the conversation to change right yeah and of course it doesn't it starts with one-on-one -on -one conversations like we're having that people happen to be listening to. But if yeah. you and I were at coffee, we'd be having this conversation. Yeah. It starts with the, I'll tell you, when I was in the youth ministry one time, I had a group of parents just having lunch with them, asking them what's going on. And they all said that they were really anxious because prom was coming up. 
and they were anxious about all these 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 parties that happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. And they said, we just wish that somebody would organize something that was like a killer, like really fun deal, but that our kids could go to and it would be be safe and, and all those things. And mm-hmm. of course, after three or four minutes, you begin to realize, well, like you you got that group right. <laughs> Why don't you do right that? here? Yeah, you know yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. And that that's how it yeah. starts. If we're waiting for our schools, or I mean, certainly not our government mm-hmm. or anything like that. No, 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 no. The way that mm-hmm. the Christian church has always changed the world, and it's so many times it's happened. Let's just just doing it. Yeah. Us 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 making those changes in our families and with our friends, and that that's what makes the change. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I just. I would, I would just love to see a shift. I mean, in my own life, it's, it was challenging for me. Like, what are the conversations I'm having with right. my friends? What are the conversations that we're having at home? When's the last time I asked Carter, "Hey, what's God doing right. with you right now?" And it is that. It's How's that your simple. relationship with Jesus going, Anna P? That's right. And it is. It's there's something inside of us that makes us not want to have those conversations, mm-hmm. and. Because mm-hmm. because they are they are intimidating. Mm-hmm. But I think can I say one more practical thing too? Yeah, that I please. think. And you know what really inspired the sermon for me was a sermon that a guy wrote sixteen hundred years ago, John Chrysostom. I mean, it's, it's, his sermon on this is unbelievable. And one of the things that he said is he said, "Look, kids are at a vulnerable stage. Like you gotta you gotta mm-hmm. they need to know the truth of who the Lord is and all that because it's a stage when it's easy to get into trouble." And he said, we need to be careful with who we're lifting up as heroes in their lives. Mm. And I think there's so much, there's so much truth to that. Yeah. And um, the way that we make sure they've got the right people on the pillars of their lives is mm-hmm. by putting the right people as parents on the pillars of our, of, of our lives. Mm-hmm. So I, one thing that I think that we need to be intentional about changing is we, we need um, to be intentionally lifting up real heroes. Mm. For our kids, really good, and people that that are alive now mm-hmm. that are that are really living this stuff, mm-hmm. people that have been alive before, telling them the stories of our of our grandparents and our great grandparents and our aunt mm-hmm. and our uncle. And for me, it's this lady named Katie Wright who spends forty hours a week in a maximum security prison as a as a volunteer. You know, and walks around without guards because they just all love her. Like, like we need to tell our kids those people's stories. Or, yeah, I just found this out this week. Harriet Tubman. I'd always assumed that it was her faith that drove her. You know, conductor on the Underground Railroad and all that stuff. I did not know this until today, listening to a podcast about her, that her whole life she had visions from God about what she should do and where she should go and all these things. And you, 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 you wonder what makes people like this who they are. And then you dig into their story and you realize, like, she's allowing the Lord to to speak to her. Mm-hmm. And you could feel this podcast kind of stumbling around trying to explain like this and they even called like she had a brain injury and it was a disability and like then there are questions about how did she not get captured when everybody else did and you're like the answer is right there i mean she's telling you that like god was working in her life guiding mm-hmm. guiding her i heard i've heard harriet tubman's name my entire life nobody ever told me that it was her faith that was driving her to have the courage that she had wow. we we've got to lift people like yeah like that up mary Frances needs to know harriet tubman's story yeah because if I'm not intentional about putting Harriet Tubman on the the pillar, it was one of the pillars of her life. Mm-hmm. She she's going to have other people that she's looking That's up exactly to. Exactly right. You know, like Katie Wright, who, who's in these maximum security prisons. Like she's the one who needs a blue check mark next to her name, yeah. right? But but she's not. Yeah. So our kids aren't going to know about her unless 
and God forbid they end up putting, I, you know, I'm not going to give examples. I said I wouldn't on Sunday morning. I'm not going to in this microphone either. <laughs> but just, just, just turn on, yeah, tr- turn on the TV, yeah, and look at the people that we're lifting up yep. as heroes. Yep. And as adults, Toby, yep. you and I can say, I like that person's music or acting, mm-hmm. but I don't want to emulate the way they're living their lives. Yeah. But when you're a middle schooler or high schooler, yep. you see them and you think, okay, I, I want. If I want that, I need to live the way that they live. Yeah, of course. And it's, of course. we got to be really careful with that. Yeah. That's just a really practical thing, I think, as parents. we got to figure out, all right, who are we lifting up? Yeah. It's, it's heroes in their lives. Yeah. Oh, I, I, think, I think one of the most profound things that, that we can do as parents is, I mean, it, and what you said just triggered it, is, is live it ourselves. Absolutely. I mean, we, it matters. That's right. So much. I, I am keenly aware of that, especially, I mean, they, kids are watching everything. Yeah. They're paying attention to everything. They, they, my kids notice everything. And their BS, their BS radars are so much more attuned than ours are as adults. <laughs> oh, they yes. see right through it. Yeah. Yes. It's so true. Um, years ago, uh, you and I both really look up to this woman, Dana Howard. Oh yeah. She's the best. She's the best. Yeah. And she, um, she's worked with us at the church for forever. Yeah. But before she worked at the church, she was a mom of one of our youth yep. who we also love. Yep. Shout yeah. Yeah. Two of them. Cause Molly, oh, yeah. you know, Mo- Molly was Molly's really older. around before yeah. you and I were, but yeah. Yeah. But she grew up and, but uh, Molly and Robert yeah. are such phenomenal kids with such deeply rooted faith. That's right. And when I adopted my children, I mean, I ran to Dana. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, Dana, what did you do? Uh-huh. Like, just tell me what you did because I'm going to do exactly right. what you yeah. did. So Give me my- your playbook. <laughs> right. So my kids have a chance. Now, she's a much kinder, softer, patient. I wouldn't say that, but oh, she's, she, she's a saint. She's, I mean. a, she's a saint. Yeah. And, and, uh, and she, she's just a, a wonderful, wonderful. And she said, Tova, if I could give you one bit of advice as a mom, she said, let them see you yeah. live out your faith. Wow. Wow. Just just let them see you. Right. And she said, you know, for every morning for my entire life, I've woke up early and I've read my Bible. Mm-hmm. And she said, and I have intentionally done that at my kitchen table. My kids have always woken up and seen yeah. me yeah. reading my Bible. I never said, you better get up and read your Bible. right. right. You know, but by the time they were both teenagers, they were reading their Bible. Yeah. And it was her example. Yep. She, and it wasn't just reading a Bible. I mean, it was, she, that woman doesn't have a judgmental right. bone in her body. Everybody right. was always welcome. She turned her garage into the, yeah, the, she was the hangout the, spot for like yes, the whole neighborhood. For the whole yeah. neighborhood. And the, you know, the teenage boys would come and do their thing back there. And, yeah, she just created. She created. She was. She was living like Jesus. That's right. And people feel that when they're around Dana Howard. That's right. And so people wanted to be at Dana's house. Dana's has 
<clears throat> had a beautiful home, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the fanciest home in Highland Park. It wasn't the the biggest house in Highland Park, but that's where everybody went. That was the hangout spot. That's where that's right. those boys wanted to be. Yep. And it was because of the feeling that she created yep. and the love that she shared and the life that she lived. And it wasn't she she wasn't reading the Bible to those boys, but she right. was showing them. And it, I mean, the, her kids, it made a difference. You know, Dana. You can see it, yeah. You can see Je- it. Yep, the, yep. How she spent her time, how she dressed, yep. how she, <laughs> you know, how late she went out, how much she drank, how, like, yeah. the 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 value she put on the things her, her kids did yep. and the value that she didn't put on the things that her kids did. Right. Her focus was Jesus Christ. Amen. And She's bearing the. She's she's witnessing the fruit of that now. Yes. You know, she just had her first granddaughter. She got another granddaughter on, on the, the way, way. Yep. and it has to be feel so good for her to be able to sit back and know that her grandchildren will be raised in the yes. homes that they will be raised in. Yes. Because of the work that she and Bob Bob did, yes. and c- could she have been kind and charitable to those teenage boys and all those things uh, at four o'clock in the afternoon, if she wasn't up at six thirty in the morning reading her Bible, yeah, it set an example. For, but it also changed her. Yes, daily. Yeah, that's the reason that she was yes. that she well, not was is who she is. Yes, yeah. and it wasn't like oh, if I do this, then this, then then you know. It, no, she wasn't. It's just who she is. It's just who she is. But it's who she is because she did it. You know what I mean? Yes. Like yes. I wish Dana was in here, but it was not always easy for her to get up right and read her Bible. Right. But it was, but it was she, a routine. Yeah. One of the things that our, our number one staff value at our church, we came up with these about a year and a half ago, and Dana was one of the biggest voices with this particular one. Our number one staff value, we have seven, is that we can only lead others in a direction that we ourselves are going. Mm. So if we want help people to become disciples of Jesus, mm. we as a staff have to be living that out. And it's true with parents too. It's hey, That's more true at home than anywhere else. Way more. Yes. Because I am okay directing my kids to grow in certain areas, yeah. directing Boyd over here to learn about baseball, directing yeah. Mary Francis over here, wh- whatever. But I don't want to be a director when it comes to their faith. Yeah. I don't want to be saying, go over here to learn about Jesus. Mm-hmm. What are you saying? Let's, we're, we're going there, to, we're going there to, together. Yes. I want to be a leader, Yeah. you know, and, and Amy does too. We want to be yeah. leaders when it comes to our kids, not with their faith, not directors. Yeah. It's the, it's the greatest gift, and I believe it, it's the greatest gift that yeah. we can give our children because their faith and their foundation and their roots in their faith will change the trajectory of their life more than anything else. It's the number one thing we can do for them. Yes. Is that, yep. Yes. And, and, and for generations, really. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Can, can I say one more thing? Yes, um, please. We were talking about People probably feel motivated, but here, here's here's one other thing. I'm glad you brought up Dana. I did uh, Robert's wedding a couple of years ago down in Waco. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amy and I got up on the morning of the wedding. We got some coffee. We did it. Yeah, we did it together. <laughs> That's right. Sorry, I just yelled at the microphone. <laughs> no, Kevin, I just broke your. No, deal. man, you're good. Yes, we did it together, With Toba. Arms That's right. I know. I elbowed stuff. I got so excited. Yes, we did it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it took me an hour, but I'm awake now. So. Um, uh, we're just getting going, people. Um, so we did it together. <laughs> Amy and I got up that morning in Waco. And do you know what Robert was doing at 9 a.m. on Saturday morning of his wedding day? He was going on a long walk with his mom. 
Okay. Oh, okay. Here's the deal. That's going to make me cry. That's Every single one of us wants to be connected with our kids. Yeah. Every single one of us. I said this in the sermon. Another pastor says this, but um, we want our kids to want to come home when they no longer have to come home. Yes. Isn't that what you want yes. with your three kids? Yes. We, we want that. Well, what Christendom recognized six, 1,600 years ago, we know is true today. If you have the spiritual bond, the other bonds will come. Yes. If you are connected through praying together, reading scripture together, serving. If you have that bond, yep. the the other the other bonds are It's so true. They're gonna come. And it's I didn't so even think about Dana Howard, but she's the perfect example of that. Yeah. Her yeah. her son wants to go walking with her the morning of his wedding. It's the sweetest thing. And it's the foundation of their their relationship is is their faith. Is their is their faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't that's what I want with my kids. For sure. You know? Oh yeah. 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 It's what I want right. more than anything. That's what we, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's what we're after. Yeah. And, and you know what? I, I have seen I've seen the fruits of that in my home. You mm. know, mm. I, it it does play out. It plays out in the things they'll talk to you about. Yeah. the things that they'll confide in you about the respect that my children have for me affects their decisions. Yeah, it does absolutely. And it's. That that age, you know, what your parents think matters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to give my kids, I want to set them up for success. And Matt, just thank you so much for your boldness and your obedience to preach that sermon. Because, I mean, as I was listening to it, I was like, Ooh. you know, yeah. you know, you sometimes you get zingers. Yeah. <laughs> Amy and I actually pray. We're talking about prayer. We pray for boldness every night. So there are a handful of things we pray for every night, and that's that's well, that's you've one got of them. it. And and so for the benefit, I mean, this is just like a sneak peek into that beautiful, beautiful message. How do people listen to it if people want to come to church and yeah, and they don't have a church, but they're listening to this, thinking I'm, I might want to come listen to this guy. Tell tell people how do they have access to that sermon? When and where do you preach? Um, how do they? F- yeah, that's how right. do they f- If they want, if they have more questions or they need more help, how do they find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, all I can answer all, all those. those things. So, the church is Highland Park United Methodist Church, thirty three hundred Mockingbird Lane. So, right next to the SMB Football Stadium, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, we have worship services all morning on Sunday morning. I preach at 9.30 in our contemporary service and 11 o'clock in our sanctuary. But go to hpumc.org. You can find out all of that there. And if you scroll down, you'll see Cornerstone. You can listen to this, the sanctuary ones too, but the Cornerstone ones have more visuals. Uh, you'll see Cornerstone, and you just click on the most recent sermon, and that'll give you a link to the sermon library. And then you can go back and look at past sermons. This series is called It's Not You, It's Me. And this was from... Two weeks ago, I wish I knew the date, um, but the title has something to do with families in the uh, in the title. And what we've been talking through in the series, It's Not You, It's Me, is a really controversial passage in the Bible that also talks about marriage, uh, husbands and wives. And then the last piece, and I talked about this past week, is, um, is he addresses slaves and slave owners. And we had this myth in our contemporary culture that the Bible uh, allows for slavery. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's a myth. I think it's a lie. And we really talk in depth about that uh, that that week. So you could check out that, that series if you wanted to. 
but then my email address is on the website also. Uh, just tugglem at hpumc.org. And yeah, I'd love to connect with with anybody. And Dan Howard works closely with me, so that's, that's who they really need to talk to. So I, I yeah, yeah, it's Howard weird. D at hpumc.org. Yeah. And y'all need to get these cards. So if they want cards, the cards call the right. church, 214-523-2200. Yep. Call the church. And, or and, email me, whichever is easier. Okay. And, and they'll we'll get them to you. They'll send them to you. Matt, thank you. Thank you for being bold and thank you for being faithful and thank you for being obedient and just being a phenomenal example of so many things to me personally and to so many other people on a stage. We're, that church is so blessed to have you. Well, Tova, I'm, I, I'm honored that you even that you listen to my sermons. Of yeah, course. I, got, I got that text message. I thought I just this is this made my day. Um, so I'm honored that, that and then um, honored to to know you. Um, you've just been a real blessing to my family. Well, so thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you.